Yeah, we've all got, like, got to be real stuck in our heads, right? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's been playing on a loop since I finished watching the film this morning. song already yes. and anytime i hear it it's always just like yep that's it's my happy song it's still a bop like <laughs> it, like, <laughs> it's so real and it's so this film too yeah yes, for many reasons yeah. many layers yeah the realness the, <laughs> the realness, realness. Oh, the real. got to be real <laughs> yeah uh so yeah the film that we're doing uh in honor of starting pride month here this will be the first episode in pride month and we're doing paris is burning uh it is the documentary of the ballroom culture, which uh, at this point has become very, um, I wouldn't say necessarily mainstream, but it's, it's definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, RuPaul's on VH1 now. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, there are multiple drag race podcasts. But like, to yeah. be like mainstream or maybe even like pastiche, kind of like. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, at this point, yeah, it's, yeah, and, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and I, one of the things, I mean, we're not really going to do spoilers because this is a documentary that came out in 1990, Over, but, but yeah. you can see it becoming less and less punk rock as the film goes on. And that's kind of one of the sad, but also cool things about it is as it's becoming more accepted, it's becoming less punk rock and that. I don't know. Yeah, I loved a, it. they even make a comment about that at the end, right? Yeah. That, it used to, that they were always long and took forever, but were never boring. Yeah. And they yeah. were long and took forever. And they're drawn out. That's it. It's long yeah. and drawn out, but never boring. Um, but yeah, so Paris is Burning. It is, yeah, this story, and it is about um, the, it focuses on uh, Paris is the name of like the ball, like of the house, or not the house because that's a whole nother thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but essentially, like Paris is like the showroom floor. It is like the venue for the ball that is happening, and um, it is the story of all of these different people from these houses, which are these uh different like made families so it's like the yeah chosen sort of family. drag families like gay families or like queer families that feel like people coming together like yeah. who are like oftentimes and almost most of the time rejected by their like actual like their blood families and they came together to find like yes yes a, a, a community really, that a came community together, that yeah. accepted them in a really beautiful way and yeah, yeah. way to be able to express uh the uh, the self worth and the can get that confirmation that they're not able to get in the mainstream, like they're in the so real world, marginalized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I love at the beginning of the film they set this up really nicely, where one of the fans outside the club, one of the houses, is talking about um, uh, how it's like going through the looking glass, right? That once you get inside, you get to be a hundred percent yourself, right? And so this is for a whole community of you know um, black and Latino, Latina queer communities who for whom the outside world is actually the through the looking glass right where it, yeah. it, that quote-unquote regular like, life is the in real life is where yeah. they're putting on like a show where they're like trying to be something that they're not and when they get to come in into the ballroom that's when they're themselves exactly 100 percent themselves yeah. i think that's what they said yeah yeah and one of the first lines of the movie is um talking about uh, I think it was Freddie who was t who's speaking in this part, and he's talking about how you know 
being born like in the world you get three strikes yes. and when you're born black and male you've already got two going against you and then uh you know being gay and all of those things included is uh it was you're gonna have to be stronger than you ever imagined yeah. that was the advice that he got from his dad yeah yeah and i would add a fourth one on there also poor right a yeah lot of this is yeah because kind of so much poverty. of this movie also is about yeah. poverty yep. yeah yeah yeah. And I and a lot of those things go hand in hand because culturally speaking, yes. uh, you know those communities of you know black and gay have historically been disenfranchised from opportunities and uh, particularly you know black people in America over the you know <laughs> four hundred years. years. <laughs> <laughs> We can all say it in unison. Four hundred <laughs> years of oppression. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's uh, a really wonderful. I do love one of the first things that I did notice about this was the centering of the joy of these people's lives, the centering of the community. Of instead of it just being, I, I feel like the it'd be very easy for this to become and again that's i feel like one of those things about when people who are telling their stories actually get to tell their stories as opposed to having their stories told for them mm -hmm. uh you know which is uh something that happens in a lot of these movies where we see you know the white straight male director telling the story of racial inequality and somehow the white guy is the person who becomes like the the hero of the story becomes white the, people save black yeah, people yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this definitely centers the voices of the people who are actually living this experience yep. and in a way that like yes there are moments where it is sad and their lives are very hard but also finding that joy is something that people who actually live through that like they're not just always focused on like all of the horrible things that are happening to them. Yeah. Like, yes, those things happen, it's, but in order to maintain your sanity, you but have the, to. But this is a film that's made by a white woman, and it, like she kind of distances herself from it in such a way that it, like it's so much more about the subjects of it than it is anything about her. Like she yeah. she barely is in this. Like you hear her voice, I think, three times in the film, and it's it's so much just about this culture and about the world that she's portraying. And like, I love that about her as a filmmaker that like, she's making this like about the subject. It's, it's nothing to do with her. Yeah. And that it's a portrait of a time and a place and a community that she's kind of marginally, I mean, she's a queer woman, right. But she went to Yale, you know, so that yeah. and she's white. So she's also on the outside and it's kind of a gateway in for us. Um, the audience with all of the d defining of what all these terms mean and kind of explaining um, so much of the world for people who are not part of this culture. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just want to say that the first thing that I wrote down was that first dress, yas queen. <laughs> <laughs> because like we opened the film with Octavia St. Laurent in this booming like stunning. gold stunning like this incredible dress and like they have the detachable to open sleeves. Yeah. detachable <laughs> sleeves and they have to open like the second door so that she can get inside yes, yes. It, it, it is just it tells you like from the first moment what this film is going to be all about and i was so on board i was so like yes o-p-u-l-e-n-c-e -E. opulence <laughs> saying the thing about yes queen like so, and opulent spelling out a word there's so much vocabulary that has been mainstreamified by oh, now yeah. from, this from this culture and from Shantae, this film. calling yeah. people basic 
Yeah. Throwing shade. Yes, reading. queen. Yeah. Yep. Reading. Voguing. Voguing. Throwing shade. Yes. All of this like Work. came from here. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, did anyone, I, I was waiting because I, I, I think I've, I've seen this before, but I hadn't seen it, you know, in a long time. And I was like, oh, this is 80s. It's New York. It's about opulence. Where's Trump? Trump is going to oh, be. God. Oh, God. Thank no. God. Yeah. He wasn't there. He was. He was on the cover of Forbes. Oh, and I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's minor, but I was like waiting. I was like, oh, no. Oh, how times have changed. I feel like at this point, I'm just like, my my like eyes and my mind are like trained it's like uh the robots in westworld <laughs> where it's just like doesn't look like anything to me thank you to whoever's programming my simulation to <laughs> <laughs> not have that to have that be a yeah. defense mechanism yeah. <laughs> um but yeah speaking of that like yeah there is a lot of talk about um you know the aspirational quality of like yeah, wanting to live in this world, or not even wanting to live in this world, but wanting to live fully as you are and still be able to engage in the world and in society, like as a whole, and like, like as a whole person, as a whole human being, without being like, you know, chopped into pieces for like consumption and like, uh, you know, code switching is a really easy example of that as mm -hmm. far as, you know, having to shutter like different parts of yourself in order to function within this world where you're not accepted for all of who you are mm -hmm. and that was like one of the things that they were talking about as far as like being like rich and you know yes. Yes, so cheated. much of them are like aspiring to be like what they see in the magazines like to be like the rich white person who has all of this to stuff. be paulina i too yeah. wanted yeah. to be paulina yeah and so i think that there's a nice quote in it where it says um this is not satire right it's not sat satire we want to be this yeah right and so it's a chance to be town and country right to kind be, of yeah white and, and, and wealthy and, and to that point like the hottest person I found in this film was a man, but he was wearing a three-piece suit. He's basically wearing Sean Connery's suit from Goldfinger, but I was like, damn, that suit looks really good on that man. <laughs> You're like, hello, James Bond. <laughs> yes. But, but it's a young, like, black man, and he, he just, he is rocking this suit in a way that... Like, so maybe we should flood the like bond executives with to the broccolis and just broccoli and, and wilson and just be like guys eat yourself up eat yourself up eat yourself up <laughs> yeah um but i do think that that speaks to and again the vocabulary has even um changed and developed more over time because i feel like um whereas a large part of what this of what the mentality was was like wanting to um, like be a part of this world wanting to um, kind of fit in and like find acceptance mm -hmm. with you know white America whereas now I feel like there's a lot more I mean sure there, there is still plenty of that yep. but I do feel like a, a large part of the dialogue has moved towards even removing like our mentality from the white gaze mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. gaze of like the uh and just living life the way that you want to, because there's a, a large part of this where Dorian Corey talks about the aesthetic and wanting to 
look like these different people and how drag has changed from kind of like yep. the Vegas showgirl to like kind of like the Hollywood starlet to the Models. you know model to the and models. you know Supermodel. talking about how and, and you know no one wanted to look like Lena Horne everyone wanted to look like yes. Marilyn Monroe but they secretly wanted to look like Lena Horne but yeah. they couldn't admit that they wanted to look like Lena Horne yeah and now I feel like we're kind of in the point where it's like no instead of us wanting to look more like the media we want the media to, to look, look more like us we yes. want to see like Those... that's where like representation is like now what like what the big like like pushes of like you know seeing i think her name is jenna and like finn in the new star wars poster where it's like these like two black space cowboys yep. it's just like <laughs> oh my god fucking yes, yes. like this is what <laughs> i want to see yeah. like black cowboy like black space cowboys like give yes. me all of that yes. <laughs> while we're getting into like dorian corey like i found her to be like one of the most fascinating people in this film because she's kind of like a more old school person like she's kind of lamenting later on in the film how it used to be like something that you made and became and now it's just like something that you acquire like you you have to go and get a designer thing then she's kind of lamenting or steal steal. Uh, that she's (laughs) you kind of go out and like acquire a designer thing and that's how you win and it used to be about like you and like presenting yourself in this way and you construct the costumes yourself and when i was looking at at dorian corey like they're filming her from like you're seeing like kind of where she lives and like her whole environment and one of the things that struck me was like i wonder if the like kind of homophobia and transphobia of people like went in like specifically of her went into the design of Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs. Oh, just because of like of yes. her like apartment. That's actually I was um, listening to Unspooled where they're talking about Silence. Of the Lambs. I know I listened to and, this yeah. same episode like last week. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's why it was in my brain. And I was like, oh, I wonder if like this film specifically or like this person specifically went into that and i and i think that that was something that they were talking about at the time there were groups that were you know wanting to bring attention to these depictions and how those could be harmful and i don't think that that was something that was necessarily intended from what i understood no, not, of like the not director intended and, by the director yeah of, because he then went on to make philadelphia that was like the next movie that he made but there were still those things that were leveled against the character of Buffalo Bill and against the design around Buffalo Bill. And... Well, it's when it's the only trans character you've ever seen is also like a flesh eating psycho killer, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, who's like constructing a woman's suit out of women's out skin, of women's right? Skin. Like that's yeah. the only vision, right? That not everyone has seen Paris is burning before they went into seeing <laughs> yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Well, and it also very much is indicative of when you think about. Disney villains. I was talking about this oh, with yeah. like John Wick uh, when we were watching that. As far as um, this kind of like fey quality that yes. they like have for all of their villains, like Jafar is very queer coded. Yes. Um, Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, like, uh, there's Ursula a... is queer coded. Like it's yeah. like all of these things where like yeah, they these are things that not necessarily were maybe intentional, but were something that were like people were like thinking in that process through their minds and it maybe even worse because it wasn't intentional. Yeah, it's, it's unconscious just, bias. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
it's unconscious, right? It's stuff you absorb from larger, larger culture and spew back out. We all do it. We all have it. But yeah, Disney villain after Disney villain after Disney villain <laughs> being Faye. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into this when we get to our recommendations. But James Adomian, the stand-up, has a great bit about like gay villains throughout history and how like that's a thing. Oh, yeah. I look forward to hearing more. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think also one of the other comments she makes is about um, hippies. That I really liked yep. and that she's like, look, hippies can form these new family units and have these maternal bonds that cross, um, you know, kind of biological barriers and no one thinks much of it. But the moment, you know, black or queer people start doing it, then it starts to become this is so foreign to us. We don't understand why you would do this. And as the film does a really nice job and succinct job of showing is that the interview with the 15-year-old and the 13-year-old, it's 2 a.m. Yep. and they're out on the street hanging out, right? That they're like, well, one of them doesn't have any parents and the other one does, but, you know, is out here anyway. Yeah. And it's one of those things where a lot of people talk about how they can't relate to this character or that character because, you know, it doesn't look like them or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what that go- feeds into of, like I've spent my entire life, all of these people have spent their entire lives consuming media that, again, like they say, yep. like shows them that like white America is the standard, it is the norm, yep. it is like what you are well, like to aspire white, hetero to. Hetero America, yeah. Rich specifically. Hetero America. Yeah. White, yeah. Rich hetero America specifically. <laughs> keep adding. Yeah. And so it's like all these things where like, oh, like we're expected to be able to relate and see ourselves in these people who don't look like us, don't like have anything in common with us. And to a certain extent, it's like, yeah, like we like are all able to do that. Like I watch movies where, you know, with straight white male leads and I'm like, oh yeah, I see this thing that I can relate to in this you, character. You mean you have a capacity for empathy <laughs> yeah. beyond what a studio executive thinks you might be able to have? Yeah. And so it's like, that is never expected reciprocally. Yes. And yes. that is what the hippies uh, comment really yeah, brings out. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I was curious to see how you all would respond to this because, again, I, I've seen it before. And, uh, like, I think I had a different reading coming into it, watching it the second time because, like, I, I started it and I was like, I'm ready to get fabulous. And then I was like, then I was like, wa- over it, like, in my notes, it just says sadness, <laughs> like, overwhelmed. There with is sadness. a real undercurrent of sadness that runs through this, like, because as much as they're so themselves and they're so vibrant when they're like, in this scene like when you see them at home like they're like living in like studio apartments they're like they're so like lamenting like their regularness in life and like how much like they only really come alive when they're in this scene like there is a real undercurrent of sadness through this whole thing yes and then like the metatextual layer of sadness that was really hitting me because again i've seen it i know how it ends um but was like thinking oh my god everyone in this movie is dead i'm like 199 sure that everyone in this movie is dead so then i started looking it up and when i got to the last you know like the fifth character you know character quote unquote documentary character real person um who um the fifth like subject fifth thank you (laughs) the fifth subject who had died you know 15 years i was like okay like oh right so i was watching it through this lens of like kind of reflecting upon when i saw it originally like i don't know 10 15 years ago people were still alive right and now and, and this Everyone film was, was made, like, during the AIDS epidemic, and they, like, hardly talk about AIDS in it. 
They talk about it at the end, and that yeah, at the so, very end yeah. they talk about AIDS. But I mean, it's it's so late to the discussion. Yeah, and going back to I was thinking about the Marwin Call documentary, and remember how they reveal kind of late in that that oh, yeah, the yeah, subject yeah. might be queer, maybe or something, right? That similarly, I think for a contemporary, you know, an audience who's seeing it in '87 or it's filmed in '87, released in whatever '88 or '90 or whatever, um, that. For them, holding out AIDS to the end is a similar like move of getting to know everyone and then layering in this thing that is um, uh, kind of still, uh, like at the time, still so terrifying to so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I think it does a really good job where this, I feel like the intent behind them doing it in this one was more like benevolent yes. than it was yes. in Marvin Call. Call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. by the way. It, it's yeah. almost like this one was made from kind of a queer perspective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Marvin Call was exactly. just like about a queer person. <laughs> who was a victim of a hate crime and we've yeah. seen in excruciating detail everything about that crime except for that it's a hate crime till an hour and a half later. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like we could get into some of the terminology that they go into because uh, this is as much like a documentary about like the people as, as it is about, um, you know, the the specific culture and like yep. all of the different things as far as like houses, mothers, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. are essentially, the, again, this formed family. And so one of the things that um, Willie Ninja talks about is, um, you know, mothers... Uh, let me see what it is. Uh, you have to you have to have something to offer in order to lead, which I'm like, so many people could take so many notes from that. <laughs> that is a read. And so like, yeah, and like the mother is the hardest worker. It's like the person who is there like out front who is, you know, you lead from the front and yep. That is what like a house mother is, is someone who takes these people under their wings, who, you know, is someone who cares for people who have pretty much been abandoned by everyone else in their lives. And, and it's like down to the level of like providing food, right? Yeah. It is yeah. that level of nurturing that because again, down to providing food and shelter sure. to people. Yes. Yeah. And a safe space and a safe space to be oneself when perhaps there are lots of, where the rest of the world is perhaps not a safe space. Yeah. yeah. The quote that I really liked, um, one of the mothers said it, I don't remember which one, but I'm talking about having to monitor everything you do at all times, right? And that I feel like is something that still, even though we're like, oh, this was the past. People don't have to do that anymore. Nope. Like for a lot of us, we still have to monitor what we do at all times. Yeah. I think that was Kim Pendavis that was talking about that because he he before uh, he says, you know, if you're straight, you can pretty much have sex on the street. Yes. Like you can do whatever you you want. want. Like no one will give you a second glance. But yeah, if you're, if you're queer and especially if you're, you know, a person of color, if you're black and you're queer, then on top of that, like you have to monitor everything that you do. I mean, again, and this is where, again, we're moving to the point where I feel like a lot of the consciousness is about like actively like living out loud Mm -hmm. about actually like just not, not like yeah. like having to monitor everything that you do because you want to live your life and um this one i think it was um i want to say deshaun harris on twitter let me double check that because uh he has like these shirts and they mm-hmm. say um, and it was from a tweet that he put out that was um to be uh visibly queer is to 
prioritize your happiness over your safety. And it is very much that of like, if I want to like live as my full self and be happy and like live my life, that is a risk for me because the world does not accept me. The world does not want me as I am. And it wants to piece and like take pieces and like parts of me Mm -hmm. and commodify those things. It wants to take those things and like, have like you know some white person making money from them, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a <laughs> good segue to Madonna. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we can also get into voguing and <laughs> yeah. Do we, we want to take a break and we'll come back with uh, or, or you? Uh, yeah, well, because well, so that was like yep. actually the first thing that I saw. Like I was like kind of browsing and like the first thing I saw was uh, someone I follow. Uh, her name is uh, Bonisi Ma. Uh, so B U. E-N-I-S-I underscore M-A on Twitter. And, you know, she says that she wants to write about the things that historically poor black and brown communities created out of necessity from that poverty and how they're columbized and commodified to the enrichment of white people and how that's a double slap in the face. Yes, And it's like that so much of that of like we see like now where, uh, you know, the culture of like this culture in particular is something that is like overwhelmingly like taken over like social media it's taken over like Mm -hmm. all of like um, these different like corporations try and use the you know the lingo and the jargon from this community and it's all usually it's like to poor effect but it's like (laughs) it's like them trying to capitalize off of like the the bodies and the work of the people who like live that life who like literally like lived bled and died yes like and these were like <laughs> this... survival tactics yeah. right to be able to survive and I'll, I'll talk about that at the very end but the, it, to be able to survive that then becomes a commodity for white consumerism yeah, yeah. but yeah um, let's take a little break and then when we get back uh, I will have that person so that I can actually correctly cite their work and direct you to <laughs> the things that they We're do. Use the power because, of the internet. Because, yeah, I, I'm not going to just take credit or, like, you know, do the exact thing that wait, we were just why? talking about. Why, 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 why wouldn't you just take credit for other people's stuff? I mean, that's the American way, right? <laughs> I know. I, I know i got to get my white on. <laughs> All right. We'll be back. And we're back. And I've got that person who I was quoting before. Uh, Their name is Deshaun Harrison. I was 90% of the way there. Uh, And they are on Twitter at underscore I am royal. So, yeah. that And the quote is, to be visibly queer is to choose your happiness over your safety. And... Yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, in my recommendations, I'll skip to that for a second, is actually uh, whatever, I can't remember what day this podcast comes out, but if you Google for May 25th, yesterday, <laughs> um, PBS NewsHour Roundup did a whole like 10-minute segment on the killing spree of trans uh, people of color that's happening in the country right now, yeah. right? Like, that this is a, a real lived experience. Yeah. And that... Unlike 1987, I'm shocked that it's being covered by... I mean, PBS is its own problematic. It's definitely (laughs) not not as prevalent as it should be considering how, like, 
much this is happening right now. Yes. Um, yeah, the average life expectancy for black trans women is 35 years old. Yep. Like 35. Yeah. That's horrible. That's disgusting. That should yep. not be like these like people are just trying to live their lives and they're literally being murdered for it. Yeah. Um, and that is something that uh even within this yes. um, this Venus. documentary that we watched, Venus before yeah, the like, movie we, like, we actually do like during the course of it, a woman is killed. Yeah. yeah. Uh before the filming of this, yeah, his even complete um Venus is yeah, is brutally murdered. She's, yeah, so you see a, a scene, I think the uh, filmmaker really treated this thoughtfully. So you see a scene where Venus Extravaganza is talking about how she had been on a date with someone who didn't realize that she was trans and then freaked out and, you know, you're going to kill you and, da, 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 and kind of spewed all these things and that she jumped out the window. Um, and then at the very end of the film, we find out, lo and behold, she's been found strangled in a hotel room during the course of the filming. And that is... Again, reality, the yeah. the and reality that this yes there is again like as you're saying like there is like this undercurrent of sadness throughout and that is that reality that at any moment like there is essentially a target on your back like if you're living out and proud and loud as a queer person particularly a queer person of color and particularly even more so a black queer person there is a like inherent level of just trying to cope and survive through like daily life yeah with like the understanding that you are very like visible pretty much like as a black person in america period like there is no hiding who you are there is no there is no getting around that and considering like yes there the majority of people in america are not out like it is a very small percentage of people who are like hateful and like vitriolic enough to want to go out and kill like people like black people but there's a larger percent of people who just ignore like that entire thing and who are racist in other ways that are less subtle but for that small percentage like it doesn't matter because that's like small percentage still has a target on people whose backs like who are very visible in the world and who are very clearly and I understand that danger. And so that's like why it's like, it doesn't matter like, you know, to not not say anything. Like it's one of those things where unless you are anti-racist, you are racist. Like there is no like on the fence. There is no like (laughs) middle ground. There's no, yeah. It's like, unless you are like, like anti, like actively anti-racist, then you are feeding into the system. You are feeding into the like world of ignoring the problems that, are very, very real and very present for like people of color and black people around the world, but in this country in particular, considering our history. And I feel like that um, uh, the most heartbreaking moment for me this time around was um, when the uh, mother from the House of Extravaganza is talking about Venus's death. And she just very very plainly states that part of surviving, I'm quoting here, quote, part of surviving as a transsexual is knowing this might happen. Yeah. Right? So... (laughs) <laughs> to survive, you have to accept that your community will be murdered, right? That that to me was just because that's still true today, right? That that was one of the things that while we can talk about how voguing culture has changed and all these other oh, things, we can like, also talk about how changed. like the, yeah, the, the the culture of like this whole thing has become much more mainstream, but it's still like being queer is not accepted. Well, know, like, and that's where you know going back to um, that tweet of. 
the double slap in the face mm-hmm. of where these people are making money. Yeah, and, we can commoditize this thing, yes. but we're not going to really accept it. But yeah, the yeah the people that are are still a part of those communities are still being murdered. They're still like in like poverty. They're still not accepted. They're still like not, not having families. Yeah. They're still struggling with you know um, you know food insecurity. All of that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so should we talk about voguing a little bit since uh, since Madonna and Vogue and the song Vogue in particular are t- t- highly uh, what's the word intertwined with the history of this film? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Who wants to start that one off? I mean, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of well, yeah, like, talking about I love that, that like these families like do compete with each other, and there is like not necessarily hostility, but there's like a fierce competition between them, and but the way that they do it, instead of like fighting, they like dance it out yes. on the floor like so that they vogue and like there's this whole thing of like voguing leads to throwing shade and all of this like all these different terminology things that like are so persistent now but that i didn't know came from this movie yes even fierce right yeah. like that's in there too yeah. <laughs> and and that's when we're talking about the like competitive aspect in essentially how the I get. Uh, I think it was Dorian who said it's a war. It's not even yeah. a conflict. It, it is yeah, a war. It's a war. Like, it is yeah. like the, this is the way that uh, it was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, but, the, but, the houses are like your chosen family, but it is also like gay street gangs. Is yes, what it is. And, and the it, balls it, are it's street like fights. West Side Story. <laughs> yeah, it's literally West Side Story. Where like instead of like fighting, they they just dance. Yeah, and, and it's so cool. Yeah, and I love the rules where they're fighting over like the well, that's a women's mink coat. And yeah. they're like, no, no, no the buttons, like, are, on the the buttons left... are on the right side. <laughs> that makes it masculine. <laughs> Yeah, I love how like adamant he gets about this, like yeah. that the buttons are on the right side of the coat. Yeah, yeah. So, in fact, that performer specifically, I don't know that uh, you know moment, performative moment, really shows up in the Madonna um, video with one of I don't know how well you guys have. Seen. I don't know no, the video, the Vogue, Vogue but video I, I have to go watch the video now. Having I, seen well, this, we film. could do like a little like side by side comparison. <laughs> the two, it's pretty clearly right there. Um, but yeah, so I think it's the way in which this kind of entered mainstream culture. Madonna in 90 released Vogue, the song, um, uh, and then the music video that went along with it, which had, I think they, I now, why don't I Google this more? But I think it's House of Extravaganza, people who are not in the film, but they pulled them in to at least yeah. the choreographers. Um, uh, so they are the choreographers for it, directed by everybody's, you know, the champion of women and you know, queer people and people of color everywhere. David Fincher, right? (laughs) 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 Who kind of adds like a kind of, um, oh, I guess it's Express Yourself that has all the Metropolis stuff in it, but it adds this kind of like very, actually couture, actually all the brands, actual, um, David Fincher didn't have to steal any of the costumes for his video, for example, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. Um, But I feel like it's really interesting because Similar, going back to the other documentaries, uh, Marvin Call in particular, that that we've talked about, like who benefits from this, right? Because um, at least, uh, uh, like, I think it was only um, the uh, primary dancer from House of Ninja who kind of 
went on to have some career success. Oh, yeah, Willie Ninja. Right? He was yes, talking about Willy that. Ninja, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So went on to have some career success, but certainly not like Madonna level career yeah. success. <laughs> um, and that most of um, 25 years later, when they kind of revisited, either people were, had passed away, had died, or, you know, had kind of died in similar circumstances to where they began, right? So the filmmaker goes on to have a filmmaking career and <laughs> make other things and whatnot. Um, and Madonna gets to go on and be Madonna for another thousand years because she's never going to die. <laughs> um, but that um, who really benefited from, who profited from this film? And sadly, it seems like a lot of the subjects did not actually um, profit either monetarily or kind of in in all that fame that they aspire to. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like we'll get to that in my recommendations because oh, okay. that's something that I, yeah, again, we'll... Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> I'll talk about it in my recommendations because that's like something where I want to really get into my recommendation and about how it's actually working and is actually a really nice counterpoint yes. to all of that. Oh, awesome. Yay. Um, and I really do... Oh God! Uh, sorry, I just want to jump in with two other moments if I can keep oh, going here. Oh, yeah, okay. sorry. Yeah. I, I was because I was going to go back to reading for a second and, oh, go, and talk about it. essentially how um, they're talking about how when it the interactions are between you know straight people and gay people and how like that insult just pretty much devolves into mm-hmm. like a uh, like a slinging of like slurs back and forth and how like reading has had to become this more like incisive this like sharper type of wit because when you're talking with someone who's (laughs) on the same level as you and you're talking with someone who is like you know within the same community uh, like again it doesn't have to be like oh yeah well you're like a black queen and it's like well yeah so are you so are you (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like and I, i do love one of the first thing that pops into my head is like that um that very it's very tropey like that whole um the easiest way i could put to uh give like a really good example of it that's like mainstream would be the um oh i love how you can just wear anything you know like that that's the type of like <laughs> like i did like i I don't have to call you ugly because, like, you know you're ugly. Like, you know, you're like, like I didn't have to say the word. Like, I, and it just comes off as, like, almost like a compliment. But it's like, but you, it's know. <laughs> you know. You know. I'm sorry. But, yeah, you were saying. I'm... No, I just was going to um, kind of riff on some of the other moments in the film that I thought were structured really nicely. The um, uh, the scene, or the sh- it's actually just one shot of when they're in Roy Rogers. I think it's Roy Rogers, yeah. And you see th- the I white think I older had the, couple. I had the oh, yeah. <laughs> the old white couple. Yes. Like, at the like Roy they put Rogers. cheese on the meat. Like. And just, yeah, and just like their disdain for <laughs> this culture and all these people. Like, it's such a pointed shot and set, like they're capturing this like so beautifully. Like, I, I also made note of the exact same thing of like the old fuddy-duddy white people. Yes, who, who like have no way of engaging and are mortified and the, but there's and they don't do anything because there's a camera there, right? Yeah. I can imagine if there wasn't a camera there that that interaction might have gone differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is a like you know if there's like a still from the film that I think encapsulates <laughs> some yeah. of it. Along like those the same lines, between the, these two worlds. Yes. The, the other one that I wrote down the other thing i noted for like the dichotomy of like outside of this bubble is this one just like dude broy guy he's got this awful mustache but he's like being like well how does this square with women's lib uh, oh well, well that's like the reporter, reporter when they're doing, uh 
Let me see if I Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that would be another moment. Yes. <laughs> that uh, was my other thing that I just jotted down of like, oh yeah, here's them also showing like what's outside of the sphere that we're looking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't put her name down in my notes, but she was one of the um, subjects that was introduced later into the film of mm-hmm. um, like she yeah she was like doing some modeling work and she was like trying to enter this competition well she was entering this competition to uh, you know be you know like the America's next top model of like the mm-hmm. 90s yeah. Uh, but yeah that was like one of those things where it's like yeah, women's lib. Like the way that he just said it. But, like, but was just, just the so... way that he says women's <laughs> yeah. lib. It's with disdain. Yeah. How does this, this whole yeah. thing square with women's lib? Yeah, like, and it's like, like... <laughs> you don't even know the complexity of it, fella. Like, you just you don't know. even know. <laughs> yeah, and then I think the other moment, the kind of free, uh, free as a bird, that I think that happened shortly after the uh, modeling moment where um, – uh, the two women are talking about having, uh, one of the women is talking about having uh, her operation and how she feels free as a bird in the wind on the beach and she's so happy. And then it's like cut to, and by the way, someone was murdered during the course of this film. Yeah. Right? That yeah. There's this real, uh, really thoughtful pairing of those two moments of joy and freedom and finally get to uh, be oneself and feel whole and then cut to, and then like the, the, the sadness yeah. and depression and the, and the danger of like, if you are yourself, like you might get murdered. Yes. And I think yeah. that that actually also speaks to the differences in, because again, this community is not a monolith. Like even mm-hmm. within this community that like not everyone sees eye to eye, not everyone has the same point of view. Yep. Um, and that's one of the ones where Pepper Labasia mm-hmm. is talking about how, um, like he would never want to become a woman. Yeah, he like doesn't want to he, fully transition. Yeah, he yeah. sees himself as a man who is like emulating a woman, but would never want to become a woman. And like one of the things he brings up is, you know, like never being able to give birth or like have a period, which uh, again, like today, like, you know, again, the dialogue has expanded and mm-hmm. we know that those are not like the things that like determine what a woman is. Uh, and so, uh, but it was interesting, like the differences of, again, like, the difference between like drag and like being transgendered or transsexual mm-hmm. and the difference between wanting to expand or you know dissolve the gender binary mm-hmm. by uh, presenting yourself in a myriad of different ways that are considered to be um, outside of the norm of masculinity or, or, or like- directly in like response to masculinity by being as masculine as possible. Uh, within this like staged performance which I also found really interesting where they had like a lot of people just come to these shows and they dress in like military regalia and they just like march up and down like in like presenting themselves as very masculine yeah I found really interesting well that's part of like the realness of like yeah. being yeah. able to like perform in the world as like a straight person or being as able a, to perform or as, an executive. Able, or as like a woman like being mm-hmm. able to go out, as they say like in the daylight and like that was like another one that yeah. was like a really sad example of like, oh yeah, being able to go out in the world as a woman in the middle of the day and like get home with all your clothes and yes. without any blood on you. Yes. Like that was like, again, one of those things that like Oof. was just like said so like nonchalantly, but it was like a heart wrenching like yes. thing to reality. Like, yeah. 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 I feel and it, like, again, this sh- film shows its age in that like the nineties haven't happened yet. <laughs> so like a lot of the kind of discussions around the difference between like, you know, sexual orientation versus like biological sex versus you know one's chosen gender, or what have you. Like the, yeah. all of that. We, we hadn't even yet. opened a <laughs> yeah. discussion of gender fluidity at all at this point. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that that was a really uh, this 
film also does a really good job of uh, showing those different perspectives and in a time where like this is so much further ahead of its time than like anything yeah, else. I mean, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is one of the most ahead of its time documentaries i've ever seen yeah and even now like and yeah. I, I feel like that also goes to show just how far the dialogue has come since then because even by that standard like there's still a lot that is still like not even being talked about that's kind mm-hmm. of being talked about in ways that are still you know a little problematic in terms of um, yeah, gender expression in terms of you know uh, gender identity and sexual mm-hmm. orientation. Yeah, and I, I think it's really this is kind of like why watching anything from like the '80s kind of have to like wear those glasses of like, okay, like because this is like the best of like that this type is of the dialogue. Best it's get, yes. This is like this is like <laughs> the best of like that dialogue. Um, and on the opposite end of that spectrum is like. The Temple of Doom, like I was talking about the other day, like, (laughs) of just, like, I I literally, like, um, I think I've watched, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, once in Sunday school for some reason when I was growing up. Yeah, but Craig decided to start his journey with Indiana Jones with Temple of Doom, which if he he had consulted (laughs) me or Tara or anybody else, we would have been like, no! Yeah, no, I literally had to turn it off because I was just like, this is just, like, Asian stereotype after Asian stereotype sandwiched between like extremely misogynistic and, moment and you, yeah, you didn't sandwiched even on the other side of like more Asian stereotype like, you didn't and get deep enough into the movie yeah. to see how deeply that w- movie hates even, women it like, gets even more like yeah. it, that like Spielberg was coming off of a divorce when he made it so that movie <laughs> like I think Spielberg and Lucas were both like getting divorced like the, the, that movie hates women to a degree that is like insane yeah well, I can't watch it yeah yeah no I was like I was like is this what Indian Jones has? No, I don't know if Craig, I want to watch anymore. Craig, watch <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. I watched that one like in Sunday school when I was like eight. Yeah. Because I, I don't know, maybe my Sunday school teacher was hungover. I don't know if it was movie day. But it does have some vaguely religious component to it. But yeah, because well, yeah. it's like the Lost Ark. Yeah. It's like the... The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. The, the Ark that held the stone tablets on which the Ten Commandments were written. Yeah. And so that's, Thank yeah. Well, I, I, I've watched this movie a lot. <laughs> so, somehow that was like, okay, we can watch this in Sunday school. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> this is acceptable for children. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, Going back to your point, Craig, about like comparing it to other things of the time. So I was lucky enough to be able to see uh, about a month ago the revival of Burn This on Broadway, which takes place in New York with artists in 1987. And woof, that one does not age nearly as well as this movie does. Because <laughs> first of all, it's all white people. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, they're artists in New York and the word AIDS is never mentioned, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, glaring omission to... It's what? artists in New York in, like, the 80s. artists in New York in the, in the 80s, yeah. and the word AIDS is not even hinted at that it exists, right? And so um, that led me to start thinking about, like, in the same way that there's the Bechdel test, maybe there can be, like, a test for, like, doesn't age well, and I was texting you guys you yeah. know, about this, and y'all about this and um, there you go, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, um, and just like things like missing major major social issues of the time for the community that you're writing about when you're not from that community yeah right? as a straight, yeah, yeah so we need we need to come up with the rules of this test as well as the Bechdel test yes. is, is outlined I think so. I think we can do it I think yeah. between the three of us as we go along we can come up with the rules yeah because like wow new rules new rules <laughs> one, one. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, listen to Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Um, oh yeah, you had a really good. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want summarization of like a review. Yes. Or a retrospective of this, right? Yep. So this was someone writing um, on Dazed, and it's I think Sean Fay F A Y E. Um, um, writing about the 25th, 25th anniversary of this film, and so I just wanted to try, I wanted to, because I think they summarize it um, beautifully. <clears throat> if I were to try and explain to someone who had never seen it, I would say the film is a meditation on how specific individuals, consistently robbed by society of privileges which many watching would take for granted, regenerate and create among themselves a new capacity for self-worth, for value, for joy, and crucially, for family. Yeah, I, I could not summarize this film any better nope, than that. Nope, that is nope, so, thank you. It is so perfect. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I, I think that that really speaks to the level of that chosen family of yep. making the best out of the like shit lot that you've been given yes. through this world. Uh, and I think that um, Dorian does a really good job at the end of providing like the final comments of this movie like he's like the final dialogue mm -hmm. um they've got like the final dialogue in this movie and i'll like post it this at the end of this as a little clip because those words were pretty much like the greatest way to summarize what it is to again like not only just live in the world as like a queer person as a person of color but just like in general of like Growing up wanting to, you know, do all of these things and kind of like having the world like tell you, you know, well, depending on, you know, whether or not you're born rich and white, <laughs> of like pretty much like having like, I, like, yeah, pretty much anyone that's not rich and white has at some point had to come to terms with the fact that no matter how much aspirations you have as a young person, like in some way the world's gonna like smack you down a bit, like, you have those and some strikes. people more than others. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that final line just really does a really good succinct job of wrapping up this entire uh the entire premise of this documentary i always had hopes of being a big star Then I look, as you get older, you, you aim a little lower. And I, you say, well, yeah, you still might make an impression. Everybody wants to leave something behind them, some impression, some mark up on the world. And then you think you left a mark on the world if you just get through it. And a few people remember your name. Then you left tomorrow. You don't have to bend the whole world. I think it's better to just enjoy it. Pay your dues and enjoy it. If you shoot an arrow and it goes real high, hooray for you. And I, I loved it. Uh, this whole thing was just uh, one of those things that has been like a glaring omission in my own uh, like viewing. And so I'm really glad that we 
picked this movie to do. I'm really glad that I've actually gotten to watch it now. I watched it like twice in the last two days already because I was just like, I love this so much. Yes. And I, really just want I, I watched to absorb it this morning and was like, this is so great and I really want to watch it again. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, and I'm really happy that it's on Netflix, right? Yeah. That, 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 that's partially why we're able to do this on the podcast is because it's not no longer uh, obscure DVD yeah, it's or not VHS like tape a really that I watched yeah. thing to find anymore. Yeah. 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 yeah I watched this on a VHS, a bootleg VHS tape. <laughs> Do you have any stats for us, Colin? Uh, I do. Uh, this movie has an 8.1 on IMDb. It has a 100% Rotten Tomatoes. Good. And it yes. has a 89% Audience Tomatoes. Um, now, I did have to use IMDb to get a Kevin Bacon out of this because it's a documentary. But oh, I, I did manage to get a Kevin Bacon. So this oh. film has Jeffrey Holder in it. Uh, Jeffrey Holder is in Live and Let Die with Yafit Kodo who is in Alien with Harry Dean Stanton, who is in The Green Mile with Tom Hanks, who is in Apollo 13 with Kevin Bacon. Nice! Who is the first person? Jeffrey Holder. Jeffrey Holder. Um, I don't know, like, where he is in this film, Um, but in Live and Let Die, he plays Baron Samonity. He's kind of the... He's like a kind of queer, like, very tall black man, but he... um, In Live and Let Die, he's like this... um, a voodoo like figure this larger than life like can't be killed guy villain yeah. of some sort sort of villain like he's it, that movie's weird um <laughs> is he the, magi- the, is it the magical black man <laughs> is it, he is yeah. a magical black man in, <laughs> yeah. in in a film that is just a black exploitation film that has james bond in it well, awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, when we get back, we'll have some recommendations for you after the break. And we're back. Back to be real. <laughs> let's just keep that song going. Let's, let's, let's keep that in our hearts and in our podcast and in everything. Real, 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 real. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got some recommendations for you. Um, let's kick it off with you, Tara. What have you got for us? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have another, there's another documentary about, um, ball culture, ballroom culture from the nine, kind of ten, over a 10 year span from 96 to 2006 in both Harlem and Philadelphia called, um, How Do I Look? Which, so if you're interested in that, and I was able to find it on Vimeo, so it's not that hard to find. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then also, which I wasn't able to find on Vimeo. Um, is Marlon Riggs's Marlon Riggs Tongues Untied. So this is a film made by a black queer man who's an artist in New York. Yes, in New York in the 80s. And it is the most poetic, beautiful thing you will ever see. Tongues Untied. Everyone should see it. It has. It, it, he's also a poet, so it, it's really beautiful. It's not a classical documentary, traditional documentary that way. Um, obviously, Drew, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, because yeah, like that's clearly. the <laughs> end of this. The Vogue Madonna video. I mentioned the um, PBS Weekend um, update about um, the realities of um, uh, uh, expressing oneself today and the dangers that that um, um, keeps with it. Yeah. So um, I, I didn't actually look up to see if every subject in the film had died because it was just getting too sad because <laughs> a lot of it was AIDS related complications and or like 
poverty-related diseases like having to have your feet amputated because you have di- treatable diabetes. You know, oh. it was really just heartbreaking and heartbreaking. And so I feel like it was um, it was really moving to see this film again. So rewatch it. That's one of my recommendations. Yeah. Just watch Paris <laughs> watch is Burning this, again. Yeah. Once a week, <laughs> just watch Paris it. Is burning. <laughs> you keep watching it. Colin, what have you got for us? Uh, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but there is a stand-up special by James Adomian. It's called Low Hanging Fruit. Um, if you're on Stitcher Premium, you can get this for free. Um, but he just goes into a lot of stuff about being gay and growing up that way and like being on the football team and like, let's show this other Christian team which side God wants to. <laughs> like, he has a great bit about that. He has a great bit about like the gay villain and he does his a lot of characters that he would do on Comedy Bang Bang, like the Sheriff of Nottingham, who was always just this royal fop of his, make him kneel before me. <laughs> like a lot of, he has a great bit about how gay villains throughout history mm-hmm. have been portrayed. So uh, stand-up special by James Adomian, Low Hanging Fruit. Awesome. Um, yeah, I will recommend, huh, just <laughs> seriously, like your hearts, your minds, like prepare them all. Because you need to be watching Pose. Like, you yes. <laughs> need to be watching Pose. Like, it's on Netflix. You have no excuse any longer. Like, just watch it, please. It is essentially, like, the biopic of, like, what Paris and Burning is. It's, like, dramatized, like, high production value. Yep. And, again, going back to what you are talking about as far as um, the people who are are actually benefiting from this and the people who are actually like seeing like the fame they are seeing mm-hmm. the recognition like it is the people like who are like the stars and mm-hmm. it's uh, I, I don't want to you know like pat him like too much on the back because really it's like the bare minimum that you could do as far as like being he is you know he's gay like Ryan Murphy is gay he's also a white cisgendered man and he has provided the platform and stepped back and allowed the people who have lived this experience, who are living in this world, who are part of this community to tell their stories, which is what makes this such an amazing piece of work. That is why it is so important for that to happen because it is very similar as far as like, it's not super like, yes, there are, you know, they go into the AIDS crisis because it is taking time. It is taking part during that time. Mm -hmm. And but it is also about, again, finding the joy. It is about living the best life. It is about um, about finding that community and that family. And it is just like in a spectacularly done show. Like every single person on that show is a star. Like, and they kill it. Like from moment one, it is like pulls you in. Uh, and <laughs> like literally the first scene is them. Uh, so they're... This is like the most like heistiest of heist things. Like it's like them like going into this museum to steal like all of like the royal garbs for their like because yep. the the category is royalty. Yep. And so like the first scene is them like going in and they like are like hiding in like side of the museum and like when everything closes they just like grab everything and like run like throw a bench through the window and like run out and then at the end of like the first. Uh, at the end of their walk, they're like literally like coming out and they're like walking back and the police are walking in and it's just like them just like walking like still with that royal air, like arms out, just like cuff me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and it's just like, yep. like so good and perfect and lovely and just like I cried like at least once an episode like it's just like it's a beautiful story um actually it's multiple stories because they're like everyone has moments yeah. where they where they shine and um yeah pose season two i think starts on june 11th um and like the promo pictures for it are already just like i'm just like oh my god my, my heart like it's just my heart <laughs> and season one just was also released on netflix like, yeah well, well season two is oh, season like two. like hasn't aired yet it. so it's it's airing on fx on june 11th um, but yeah, the entire but season, first season one is on Netflix right now. Is yes. on Netflix right now, so, so you might want to watch these in combo. Like, yeah, <laughs> go watch it. Like, do it. <laughs> um, and then I will also be uh, posting like resources uh, on our Twitter to support, um, you know, Black queer creators, um, Black trans women. Um, so I'll be posting that. I'm gonna try and step up the social media game and like maybe do something. I don't want to say every day, but like once a week during Pride Month, I'll, I'll try and do every day. Like <laughs> I'm just like yeah, <laughs> I, I'm gonna ask you're aspirationally. Yes, yeah, you're, you're still a human being who like, has a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, full time job. We, we, we yeah. won't blame you if you don't make it every day. Um, but yeah, as much as I can, like I'll be like posting resources uh, to support queer people of color, to support uh, like queer creators. Um, you know, just kind of off the top of my head, like Vita Ayala has a bunch of amazing comic books that are out. Uh, Solomon Giorgio is an amazing and hilarious comedian. Uh, uh, I'm, I'll post more, but like awesome. these are things that like, yeah, if you're, if it should be something that happens all year and it's something that like, you know, it's just support <laughs> people as human beings and just be a decent human being uh and also call out bullshit from people who are shitty people uh if you have the power and access and space to do so um but yeah i will like during this month just kind of highlight um yeah some people who i feel like should be getting some support since that's what the entire month is about so (laughs) Um, yeah, thank you all for listening to that slightly rambling uh, conclusion. And also, you can follow us online. We are at Twitter on Twitter at IWITWT. Uh, both Colin and I are in online individually. I am at Catharticus. I am at Colin Munch. And Tara is a yeah, <laughs> a hermit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're she's on, a social uh, media hermit. We're on <laughs> Facebook, Facebook forward slash group groups forward slash IWITWT. Yep, yep. Uh, hopefully we'll be having like a site coming up soon. We're going to be, have already finished pop culture con at this point. So I'm sure that went successfully. We did and, a great job. <laughs> yeah. We, and all of the millions of Everybody new listeners, all of the millions of new listeners that we've acquired by the, will be listening to this episode. So thank you so much for all of the new people who are listening to who this came podcast. Who, and found Paris is burning. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you came for the Miku, you stay for the queer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you all for listening and happy Pride Month! Happy Pride! Bye! I try and just use gender Gender neutral neutral, pronouns as much as possible anymore. Like.
the one I don't know how to do, especially when I'm like reflect to a classroom of students, is to say like you all, because you, usually you say like you guys, right? Like, yeah. Hey, you guys. But to say you all, say you everyone. All. Guys, I've tried like, saying everyone, not. but it, it's like okay, it sounds so like school mommy. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Let's pay attention now. But I and I can't get away with y'all because I'm not from the south, right? Like uh, I'm not either. Like I grew up in Colorado, but I I have really grown accustomed to y'all. I like uh, using y'all a lot now. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right, so maybe I, yeah, I, I use it like in text, like like yeah, more I, so. Yeah, than, yeah, but then saying, but like saying it to a classroom of students. So I started saying everybody. Yeah. Which is a little less like school marmy than everyone. Yeah. It's still hard. <laughs> yeah. You say all. You can just say all. Hello, all. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> everyone. Or you can go full doom and just like calling one fools. <laughs> Doctor Doom. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's yeah. My students love it when I just call them fools. First day of class. Hello, welcome. Hello, fools. 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 <laughs> fools. You have stepped into my web. <laughs>